You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, guys. Uh, thank you so much for, again, Charlie, for giving me the opportunity of sharing my testimony, sharing my story. As many of you, I've grown up in a Christian household. My parents have been pastors for, I think, a bit more than 23 years or 25 years, if I don't, if I don't forget. And I've always known about Christ. I've always known about God and the stories of the Old Testament and King David and all of that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I was a Christian, of course. If there's something that I have learned is that it does not save you to have grown up in a Christian household. You, you need your own encounter with Jesus. That's what saves you. And at the age of 14 and 15 years old, I went to a conference, to an international conference in Colombia. It's called G12 Conference. And after the conference, they had a retreat, a youth retreat for children's pastors. And I remember that I did not want to go. I, I didn't want to. Everything that I wanted to do is just stay in the hotel playing Mortal Kombat. Well, um, the mobile version release and all of that, and I was just obsessed with it. But I, di- I didn't want to go to the retreat. However, if there's something that I can tell you is that I don't change that retreat for anything. And I can tell you that, yes, if I'm honest, I don't remember the sermons. Seriously, I, I was horrible listening to them. But there was one moment in the whole retreat, which was the last, let's say, calling to the altar or last prayer time. I, I don't know if you guys understand what I'm, what I'm trying to say. So um, I, go, I go to the altar, and the problem was that I wanted to be in the front, like right here. The thing is that I was one of the youngest. I was just, again, just 14 years old, and I was, I was also really short, so I could not go to the front, and I remember that the, the speaker, like, she's still, until, until today, she's still one of my biggest heroes of the faith, seriously, and she was preaching, and then she was praying for each one of us, putting some oil on our foreheads, and I couldn't be in the front, I was so kind of like stressed because I wanted her to pray for me, like, for a longer time, and I was just, let's say, like, over there trying to go to the front, but I couldn't because I was so little, but I remember that it was just one little touch, because yes, she prayed for me, but it was just one little touch on my forehead, and I immediately felt the presence of the Holy Spirit as never before. And I can tell you that even after that, and after like reflecting and processing all of that, while I was still in the bus, I would keep crying, I was still crying. I just could not believe what happened. I, can't even, I, I cannot even explain it with logic words how it felt, but I knew it was the Holy Spirit and it was transforming. And I can tell you that I had my encounter with Jesus at that retreat. A couple of years later, at the age of 16, yes, I was already involved in ministry. Right after the encounter, I forgot to tell you guys, but right after the encounter, right after the retreat, I got involved in ministry. Now, can you imagine 14-year-old kid trying to do the same things and trying to learn from mentors and leaders and friends who were like 20, 23-ish years old. But I would try my best to do the same things that they were doing. And I would try my best to, 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 to learn the things that they were doing. And I felt so comfortable like being under their wings. I don't know if you guys understand that. But at the age of 16, I switched high schools. And it wasn't the best decision in my life. 
because the pressures of another society that I didn't know started to come over me. And I started to get lukewarm in my faith. And I started to walk and live a two-faced faith. You might ask, why, Abraham? Why would you do that? Approval. Human approval. Uh, I wanted my friends, my friends, to approve me. I didn't, want, I, I didn't want to be different. I wanted to fit in. And it was so hard because when I started to walk away from Jesus, all of these bad things that started to happen. I started to, of course, not have that joy that I had before. I, I, was, I was trying to please the church, but at the same time, I was trying to please my friends. And I was always seeking for that approval. And I even got to the point where I denied my faith to someone. I remember that there was one girl who knew that I was a Christian. And she goes to me and she tells me, hey, can you teach me how to read the Bible? And because my other friends were looking at me and were watching me, I said, read the Bible. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not really good at it. I can teach you another day, but it's, I, 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 I can't. I can't. And, and somehow, somehow I deny my faith. But here's the thing. I quite didn't understand this. Galatians 1.10, for if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If I lived for the world's approval, I realized, if I lived for the world's approval, one day I was going to die by their rejection. And if there's something that I can tell you guys, is that if we live for people's approval, for the world's approval, one day we might die by their rejection. Because the, because the approval that actually matters is the approval of God, is God's approval. In 2018, I moved to the U.S. and I started to attend this church in Miami, Florida. And for my surprise, this church was also part of the church that I went to in my retreat in Colombia a couple of years ago. Do you see how things are connected? So I, so I go to this church and I still was lukewarm. I didn't want to do anything for, for Jesus. I didn't want to go to worship nights or, or, or prayer times. I, I, I didn't want to. And I remember that, yes, there were friends and leaders that started to, to embrace me again. Again, older leaders, once again, I was a baby of the group, again, once again. And I was like under the winds and trying to learn, but I was personally, I was not fully committed to the Lord. And I knew, I knew I was doing something wrong. I knew I was walking in disobedience. And I remember one day, the preacher again calls to the altar. He calls to the altar. And I remember that I was in the back seats and I was like, yes, I have to go to the altar because I need you, God, to do something in me. I just, God, I need you to... To, to intervene in my life in a divine way. Please, I need something because I know I'm wrong. So I go to the front of the, I, I go to the, front of the altar and this time I did better because I wasn't that short anymore. But the, I go to the front of the altar and guess what happened? Yes, the, he prayed for me, but I actually want you to ask me something. Can you ask me, Abraham, what happened? Come on, let's try it. One, two, three. Come on, do it better. Okay, let's try it again. One, two, three. Don't ask the stupid questions. Nothing happened. <laughs> nothing. I feel nothing. Nothing. Nada. Cero. But here's the thing. And here's what I want us to understand. I realized that it was not about a divine intervention from God because I was expecting God to do a divine intervention in me. But God was expecting from me a divine decision. 
It's not, a, many times it's not about a divine intervention from God. It's about a divine conviction in your heart. And I understood that. I said to myself, okay, and I'm, there's no way I'm walking away from you now. There's no way. So I started to grow again with this leader, started to get involved in ministry again, but something happened. And is that I moved to Alabama, sweet home Alabama. <laughs> and I didn't know English. And if, for, for the ones that, live, that have lived in Florida, you guys know that there's a lot of people who speak Spanish. But once you get out of Florida, you realize that the English that you know is not quite enough. And I started my junior year in high school, and I was always alone. I was very lonely. I didn't, I, I didn't have any friends. And I remember that it was one of the times that I was most lonely. And I remember that I had nothing else to do. I would come from high school and then to my room, and I would just pray and read the Bible and pray and read the Bible and pray and pray and pray and pray. And pray. But one day I got so stressed and, 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 and sad because, again, I didn't, know, I didn't have my mentors and my leaders. I missed them a lot. I missed my pastors, and, and I wanted to be with them. It's like I needed them. And I remember that one day my dad goes to me, and he asks me, son, what's going on? Let's talk. And I'm like, Dad, I just, I just miss them a lot. And I'm, I, I hate this. I, I cannot be without them. And my dad goes, and he asks me, hey, have you texted them? Of course, yes. Have they answered you? No, probably they're busy. <laughs> have you texted your pastor? Yes, I did. Did he answer? No, he <laughs> might be too busy. And, he's like, and he goes like this, son, I am your friend. You can talk to me. They're not here, but I am here. And if you think about it, it was such a beautiful picture, and this is the way I see it, of my heavenly father speaking through my earthly father, telling me, ultimately, I am everything you need. It's not that community is not important. It is. But ultimately, rely on me. I am your friend. They're not here, but I'm here. I'm always here. And by the way, at that time, my relationship with my dad wasn't as deep as now because of that lack of intimacy that I, had, that I did not have with him. So I started to, walk, to, to work my intimacy with the Lord more and more and more. And it's so interesting how God has to take us out from those places to places that seem or look like something we call wilderness. And Hosea, Hosea 2.14 comes to my mind. It says, I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. In another version, it says, I will speak to her heart. And I know that, the, the, of course, in this version, he's talking about a woman. I, I'm a man. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty conscious about that. But what I mean is that so many times God, to, God has to take us to the wilderness because he wants, our, he, he wants us to have ears that can get used to his voice. And in those moments of loneliness where there are, where there are not, not any other voices, that's when, that's when my ear started to get used to God's voice. And that's how I started to work my intimacy with the Lord. No wonder why John the Baptist lived in the wilderness, isn't it? He was a voice. He was a voice in the desert, but that voice had to have ears used to God's voice. Now, I realize, now, sorry, now I realize <laughs> that all of that intimacy that I've been working with them has been so worth it. Because here's the thing, 
and here's another quote, maybe. <laughs> I've realized that God does not have favorite children. He doesn't. God does not have favoritism. God doesn't have favorite children. God has intimate children. Those are the children that God wants to relate to. God does not show favor to someone just because he wants to. He shows it to those who seek him. And if there is an invitation that I can do right now is that please, please, please seek that intimacy with him. We never know what he has for us in that place. Never. Not favorite children, but intimate children. Now, you might ask me, where am I now in my faith? Um, of course, still growing, still changing. Always will be until, <laughs> until the day I pass away. Um, but if I can tell you a desire that I have in my heart is this one. I want to share the message of the gospel. I want to dedicate my life to it. It's, it's my passion. I, I want to, to share his message. But here's the thing. The message of the gospel is not mere literature. It's not mere letters. As Paul says, it is power to bring salvation to many. And if there's something that I can tell you guys, and I'm going to in how, how close I've been like two minutes, is that, <clears throat> sorry, it's in Luke chapter 24, verse 32. And it says, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? My desire is that people's hearts might burn for God. That's my desire. And if preaching is a way to do it, I'm down for it. I'm down for it. I love it. I do believe a lot in the power of preaching, a lot. I believe a lot in, in the power of a good sermon. But how does that start? How does this whole process start? It started. Again, a divine conviction. It's not a divine intervention many times. Sometimes when we expect God to do a miracle, what he hands over to us is a responsibility. Sometimes it's not about an, an, a divine intervention. It's about a conviction. And I don't know in what point of your life you might be, the only one who knows is God, and probably you. But if you haven't taken that decision, please, please take it now. I, I, I tell you, take it now. One day it might be too late. That's, a, that's the truth, and it hurts. But one day it might be too late to take it. But the good thing is that the invitation is still open and he's still waiting for us in the secret place. And once we step into it, he'll guide, he'll guide our next steps. As I always say, when we do our part, God does his part. Thank you so much. Sorry, if I may leave you with this, <laughs> I forgot. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna welcome my friend Enoch Mona. <laughs> Amen. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, so let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Father, I pray. I pray that all of this will be about you, Father. Not me, but you. May your spirit guide. May your spirit speak through me, Father. May your spirit speak to your people. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. All right, so here's the game plan. I'll talk a little bit about my family, where I come from, how I came to faith, my time here at Asbury, what I've learned, but also 
taking over from there. So that's what I'm going to do. First of all, my name is Enoch Moma. For those who don't know me, I am from the Democratic Republic of Congo. If you haven't figured it out yet, that's where the accent is from. I come from a family of four children. I am the oldest child. The way we were raised, the way I was raised, I was raised to take responsibilities, take care of my sisters. That's what they just raised me to be. And it's pressure that I didn't ask for, but I carried that with pride with the help of the Holy Spirit and the help of God. They taught me to be a certain way. They taught me to grow up a certain way. That's what my parents did. And early on, I struggled with a sense of like belonging. I felt like I never belonged because, like, like I said, my family, had, I only have sisters. I'm the only guy. I struggled to belong because I didn't have a brother to relate to. Now, I would go to school, and it was the same thing as well. Now, I come from a culture where school is very, very important. And the school system, they're like, they have a ranking system. They do like the first student of the class to the last student of the class. Because I was the firstborn, my parents were expecting me to perform. And I managed to be like the top three of my class every time. And that was because of the responsibilities I had to carry. And I guess I was what you call a nerd. It was good until I got to a point where I was like, I don't think I want to be a nerd. I wanted to be one of the cool guys. So I went, I tried to reach out to the cool guys, try to hang out with them. But I guess I wasn't cool enough to be their friends. But I was cool enough to like just be around, but not necessarily like be part of their group. And when I'll go back to my, my, my nerd friends, I was too cool for them. So I just had to create my own like group or my own segment, if you want to call it that. That was the story of my life. So all throughout my teenage years, I was struggling with that. I'm like, Lord, where do I belong? Who are my people? Who are the people I, have to, I can reach out to and talk and relate to and things like that? I couldn't find them. So what happened was at age 11, I picked up my first soccer ball. I just fell in love with it on the spot. And I wasn't great. I wasn't good at it. I remember like the first time it was actually in my PE class and the professor was like, you guys are going to play soccer today. I don't know what soccer is, but I'm ready to do it. We get on the field. I kid you not. The soccer goal was right in front of me. I don't know what happened. They passed me a through ball. I'm facing, at the, I'm facing the goal right here. I don't know what I did, but the ball ended up going to the right. I'm like, this is confusing, but I really love this. And I'm just going to continue to do it. And I kept doing that. And every day after school, I'll do my homework. Go back to, after doing my homework, I'll go back, go back, go, go out in the streets and just start, start playing street soccer. And I just continue to do that. And I was doing that on repeat. Because that's where I was finding my peace. That's where I felt like I belonged. Everything that was going on around me would just like, you know, fade away. At age 13, at age 13, like my dad was preaching, I forgot to mention that my dad is a minister, he's an evangelist. So I've always been around the faith, but I guess I was what you call like a Christian by default. I didn't really know, I knew off the faith, but I didn't know anything about it. It was just like, okay, I know Jesus exists and all that stuff, that's good. My dad is a pastor, I guess I'm covered, that's good. But I, didn't, I wasn't interested in that. So at age 13, I think it was like during like Passover. Passover, I think that's what you call it. My dad started sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing. Me and my best friend decided to give our lives to Christ. I did that. We did that. And the seed was planted. Now what happened was, we said to each other, we were like, okay, from now on, we'll try to be good kids. Try to be like, you know, good Christians and things like that. And I think we were able to do that for about three days. And after that, we we're like, yeah, this is exhausting. 
I don't think we want to do this. And I just went on with my day and just continued to play soccer and focus on soccer. And that was my everything. And fast forward, we moved to the U.S. Now, when we got here, first of all, English is not my first language. Society is different. I had that cultural shock. Now, on top of me not feeling, not f- feeling like I don't belong anywhere, now we get here, you add that as well. I'm like, what's going on? This is different. I don't know how to navigate through this cultural. How do I, how am I going to fit in here? I was able to join the soccer team. That's why I felt more at home. I was like, this is, this is my place. This is where I belong. I continued to just play soccer. And so I was still trying to figure out, like, you know, who I was going to hang out with. What's my people group? Where are my people group at? So what happened was I would naturally drift towards the cool guys again. But I realized the kind of cool you, you find here is different. It's not regular cool. I'm talking smoking weed kind of cool. I'm talking living a uh, promiscuous life kind of cool. I've got friends today, they can't even like leave their house without guns and things like that. That's the life they chose. But that seed that I told you guys about was just like speaking, just like, you know, shouting in me. It's like, Enoch, this is not you. This is not your life. Of course, I didn't really take part in all of that. I would be around, but I wasn't doing any of that. But I just like felt like, okay, this is where I belong. At least like they accept me how I am, even though like I'm not really included, but I can just be around. They'll do what they're doing in front of me, but I'm not going to take part in that. But I knew that's not where I was supposed to be. Just continue to do that. And soccer started going well for me, getting better, getting better, getting the recognition, scoring goals. I'm going to places I don't even know people. They'll come up to me and be like, Enoch, are you Enoch? I'm like, yes, I'm Enoch. They're like, we know you. You go to this school, you play soccer. I'm like, okay, that's good. So I was like, okay, that's my new identity. This is who I am. I'm a soccer player. This is what I'm going to be about. And that's what my life was about. All throughout that period of time, again, there was just still that sense of belonging, like that, that, that struggle with like, you know, belonging anywhere. Just struggling with that. I had to continue to live my life and continue to live my life. And I had to transfer from my high school to my old high school to a different high school. When I transferred to the high school, I met a girl. And I was like, my first, my first like love, I guess, especially if I want to call it. And it was great. It was like love at first sight. And she was a Christian and it was a public school. So you don't really expect people in public school to talk about God or anything. So she started telling me about God. She's like, yeah, God loves you and things like that. I'm like, yeah, that's good. My dad is a pastor, but I'm not here for that. I'm here for you. And we kept talking and we kept talking and kept talking and kept talking. And then she got to a point. She was like, okay. Let's give ourselves, like, I'll, I'll give us a chance and let's do it. I was like, okay, that's cool. So she told me, okay, now every day, every night, I'll be sending you Bible verses. Now you read it, and then you come in the morning, we'll talk about it. I'm like, great. Now here's the thing. She sent me a King James Version, like, Bible. Now, English is not my first language. I opened that book, thou shalt. I'm like, what in the Shakespeare is going on in here? I don't understand what's going on. I will go. And I'll start talking to her, like, first of all, I was confused to begin with. I don't know what, what went down, like, no, last night, I'll just come and try to explain it to her. You know that face, like, you know, people make when they confuse, but, like, they're still listening? It's like, I'm listening to you, but I don't know what you're saying. So she's staring at me, and I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. Like, you know, mid-conversation, she'll drop a, yeah, right. But I know she's not understanding what I'm saying. Just went on with it. Every time she'll talk about God, it was just like a different, it wasn't like this distant God. It wasn't like this, this concept or just a religion. She was speaking from like a relationship aspect of it. It felt like she knew who God was. And I'm like, I'm interested in that. 
Of course, I won't tell her that, but in my free time, I'll just go to a park, public parks. That was my, my, my favorite place. I'll just go there and just like, you know, read and pray, not understanding the King James Bible and still just reading it. I didn't know anything about Bible versions and things like that. So Bible translations, but I just continue to read that Bible and just pray and pray and pray and pray. So my expectation was a voice will come from like above and be like, Enoch, I'm your father or something like that. But obviously it didn't go down that way. For two years straight, there were days I was frustrated. I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to do this anymore because I'm, I'm wanting to have a relationship with you, but it feels like you don't want it. I'm like, I'm not going to come back here again. I'll go back in the next day. There'll be this fire inside of me and just say, Enoch, you need to go back. Now, back then I didn't know it was the spirit of God inside of me, but now I know. And I'm like, I'll go back. And I'm like, okay, I'm here again. I know I didn't get an answer, but I'm just going to hope you're going to give me an answer here. Now, the more I was seeking God, the worse my life was getting. Now I started picking up injuries that I never had before. My relationship with coaches became bad. I was raised not to talk back to old, like uh, the eldest. I was raised not to talk back to the authority. That's how I was raised. That's how my parents raised me to be. But I started talking back to my coaches. As a matter of fact, I'll even go above and beyond, start cursing and things like that. That was who I was. That was who I was. Like I said, my life continued to get worse. And the relationship, obviously, it became toxic. It became bad. I'm like, this is not good. So fast forward, I have to come to college, play soccer. Somehow, Asbury, I found out about Asbury. I was like, okay, I'll go check it out. I didn't know the Christian aspect of it. I was like, I'll just come. Came to an ID camp. By the grace of God, I was one of the people, like they offered Russell's spot. I was like, okay, I'll come back and play soccer here. So when I went back, after committing to Asbury, I needed to finish my soccer season. I went back at the very last game of the season. I tore my ACL. I'm like, what's happening? And now... I felt lost because that very thing I was getting my, I found my identity in was taken away from me. I'm like, how am I going to navigate through life? And it was hard. It was tough. And shortly after that, I think a couple months, COVID happened. When COVID happened, I went back home. A couple of days into like, you know, lockdown, I figured out like the, I was sick because I went to the ER like twice or three times. I'm not knowing what's going on. On top of that surgery that I had, I'm doing what it's about. But all throughout that period of time, again, there was just still that sense of belonging, like that, that, that struggle with like, you know, belonging anywhere, just struggling with that. Again, I had to continue to live my life and continue to live my life. And I had to transfer from my high school to my old high school to a different high school. When I transferred to the high school, I met a girl that was like my first, my first like love, I guess, that's what you want to call it. And... It was great. It was like love at first sight. And she was a Christian and it was a public school. So you don't really expect people in public school to talk about God or anything. So she started telling me about God. She's like, yeah, God loves you and things like that. I'm like, yeah, that's good. My dad's a pastor, but I'm not here for that. I'm here for you. And we kept talking and we kept talking and kept talking and kept talking. And then she got to a point. She was like, okay, let's give ourselves like, I'll, I'll give us a chance and let's do it. I was like, okay, that's cool. So she told me, okay, now every day, every night, I'll be sending you Bible verses. Now you read it, and then you come in the morning, we'll talk about it. I'm like, great. Now here's the thing. She sent me a King James Version, like Bible. Now English is not my first language. I opened that book, thou shalt, I'm like, what in the Shakespeare is going on in here? I don't understand what's going on. I will go, 
And I'll start talking to her like, first of all, I was confused to begin with. I don't know what, what went down like, you no, know, last night. I'll just come and try to explain it to her. You know that face like, you know, people make when they confused, but like they're still listening. It's like, I'm listening to you, but I don't know what you're saying. So she's staring at me and I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. Like, you know, meet conversation, she'll drop a, yeah, right. But I know she's not understanding what I'm saying. Just went on with it. Every time she'll talk about God, it was just like a different, it wasn't like this distant God. It wasn't like this, this concept or just a religion. She was speaking from like a relationship aspect of it. It felt like she knew who God was. And I'm like, I'm interested in that. Of course, I won't tell her that, but in my free time, I'll just go to a park, public parks. That was my, my, my favorite place. I'll just go there and just like, you know, read and pray, not understanding the King James Bible and still just reading it. I didn't know anything about Bible versions and things like that. So Bible translations, but I just continue to read that Bible and just pray and pray and pray and pray. So my expectation was a voice will come from like above and be like, Enoch, I'm your father or something like that. But obviously it didn't go down that way. For two years straight, there were days I was frustrated. I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to do this anymore because I'm, I'm wanting to have a relationship with you, but it feels like you don't want it. I'm like, I'm not going to come back here again. I'll go back and the next day, there'll be this fire inside of me and just say, Enoch, you need to go back. Now, back then, I didn't know it was the spirit of God inside of me. But now I know. And I'm like, I'll go back. And I'm like, okay, I'm here again. I know I didn't get an answer, but I'm just going to hope you're going to give me an answer here. Now, the more I was seeking God, the worse my life was getting. Now, I started picking up injuries that I never had before. My relationship with coaches became bad. I was raised not to talk back to old, like uh, the eldest I was raised not to talk back to the authority. That's how I was raised. That's how my parents raised me to be. But I started talking back to my coaches. As a matter of fact, I'll even go above and beyond, start cursing and things like that. That was who I was. That was who I was. And like I said, my life continued to get worse. And the relationship, obviously, it became toxic. It became bad. I'm like, this is not good. So fast forward, I have to come to college, play soccer. Somehow, Asbury found out about Asbury. I was like, okay, I'll go check it out. I didn't know the Christian aspect of it. I was like, I'll just come. Came to an ID camp. By the grace of God, I was one of the people like they offered Russell spot. I was like, okay, I'll come back and play soccer here. So when I went back after committing to Asbury, I needed to finish my soccer season. I went back at the very last game of the season. I tore my ACL. I'm like, what's happening? And now I felt lost because that very thing I was getting my, I found my identity in was taken away from me. I'm like, how am I going to navigate through life? And it was hard. It was tough. And shortly after that, I think a couple months, uh, COVID happened. When COVID happened, I went back home. A couple days into like, you know, lockdown, I figured out like the, I was sick because I went to the ER like twice or three times. I'm not knowing what's going on. On top of that surgery that I had, I'm doing PT, everything shut down. I can't do PT, I'm doing that at home. Now I'm sick. I'm questioning, I'm like, what's going on? And I was sick for an entire year. Everything's just going bad. I remember one time my dad walks in my room and he's like, he brought me Bible verse, gave it to me. I'm like, everything was going well for me. I prayed to this God. He didn't come through for me. So what makes you think that he's gonna come through now? 
when things are going bad. Just let me die. That's what I want. And I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray. So one time I went to a, a public park just to pray and just like, you know, read the Bible full of doubts. I'm not understanding what's going on. But I'm just like, I'm just going to go. I keep doing this. I, think, I guess it's a good thing to do. I met a friend of mine, a lady friend of mine. Now I was a friend, but I didn't know her back then. She's just sitting at a bench. Now I hear a voice inside of me tell me, you know, can you go talk to that girl? I'm like, why? I don't need to do that. And again, that voice said, Enoch, you need to go talk to him. I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I went to a different spot, just sat down and opened my Bible, opened the book I was reading. I'm like, I'm trying to write something. I had a fanny pack. And every time I carry my fanny pack and my, my bag, uh, my, my Bible and that book, I always have a pen inside. You know, I check that fanny pack. There's no pen. I'm like, what's going on? I turned the uh, fanny pack upside down and started shaking it. No pen. Now I hear, the, I hear a voice inside of me say, okay, now I've given you a reason to go talk to her. I was like, all right, let's do it. So I walked, I walk up to her and I just said, hi. And she had the most like, you know, welcome and smile. And she's like, yeah, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good. And I told her my name and she told me her name. I was like, can I get a pen? She's like, okay, you can get a pen. And after she gave me a pen, she said this. She's like, oh, she called me my name by my name. She's like, Enoch, can I tell you what the Lord has put in your, uh, what the Lord has put in my heart to share with you? Now I'm thinking, I'm like, Hold on now, girl. We just met. <laughs> it's too soon. Let's not do it now. And so I'm like, okay, go ahead. Now she started telling me every single thing I went through during that two years. Like I was praying, the things I was praying about. And she just started sharing and sharing. She, not, she, doesn't, she didn't know what was going on. She was just speaking. And I'm like, this is crazy. And of course, I'm like, I have to be a man. I can't cry or anything. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. Went back home, started bawling. And a couple days, I was praying. There was a prayer, prayer meeting on Zoom. Got down on my knees and just like pray. I'm like, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I need you. Now, on the spot, it just, I felt weak. And I just like surrendered on the spot. And I felt like the weight was lifted off my shoulders. And I felt the love of God just like, you know, enter. I was like, God, I belong to you. And what happened after that is two days after that, I felt the conviction of sins. I'm like, I'm supposed to live a different life. So I walk up to my dad. I'm like, dad, I need to talk to you. He's like, okay. I talked to my dad. I confessed my sin. And he was like, okay, that's fine. Now you're good. You're a new man. I'm like, great. Now I'm thinking I'll come back to Asbury. Things will be great. Again, like soccer will come back, but that's not what happened. The Lord's used the uh, I'm going to, like, you know, speed up and just to finish up. The Lord used, like, the Asbury soccer team as a platform to grow me. But it first had to start with me surrendering to the Lord. Again, I said I'm a proud member of the surrender class, and I felt like that name was prophetic because it talked about, like, the reality, the, the realities I was going to live, like, all throughout, my time here, all throughout my time here at Asbury. And I surrendered. I was like, Lord, my life belongs to you. And, again, it was not easy. My journey here was full of pain, questions, struggles, but the Lord used that to grow me. And one thing I wanted to share with you guys about surrendering is that, you see, sometimes we wrestle with that. We're having a hard time doing that because we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know 
what we're going to get out of it. You know, it's easy to surrender. It's easy to surrender to have faith that the Lord will do something when you can see what he's going to do. But the Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. I'm, think, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about Jacob in the Bible. Jacob wrestled with the Lord. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. It takes humility to say that. He understood that the chance that he was looking for was not going to come from him. He didn't have that in him. He's like, Lord, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, did he have something in return? Did he know what was going to happen? He didn't. But he just trusted that the Lord was going to be the one that will bless him. The Lord was going to be the one that will change him. And we, we know what happened afterwards. And some of us in here, you may have like made, that, made that decision. Like you surrendered to the Lord already. Whatever it is that you're doing, with, you've surrendered that to the Lord. And you're trying to figure out the next five steps. It's not our job to figure it out. It's not our job to figure out the next five steps. It's not ours. Our job is to take the first step. Then the next one, the third one, the fourth and the fifth one. And the reason the Lord does it that way is because what happens in between like your first step and the last step is character development, is growth, is cries, grief. But all of those things are necessary for character development. So if you're here, you're having a hard time surrendering to the Lord. You want to see something first before you do that. But as I encourage you, to just surrender to the Lord and trust him. Trust that he is going to deliver. That's what I had to share with us. And of course, time didn't really do us a favor. But I'm just going to pray. And yeah. So please, let's just close our eyes. Father, I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you've done in our lives, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace, Father. I pray that you help us surrender. I pray that we, you help us like, you know, come to you and trust in the fact that you will come through for us, Lord. Thank you for everything you do in our lives. In your mighty name I pray. Amen.